Hi everyone, welcome back to the Gate of Heaven video diary. Tonight I'm in the garden because the spring is here and it's a little bit warmer. So let's just dive right in. So after his treatment under the care of Dr. Cormac, the Bab is taken back to the prison of Shirik in the mountains of Azerbaijan. And even though the trial has really been a total mockery, the Bab has used it as an opportunity to accomplish exactly what he wanted to do. He has now made his claim unequivocally clear to the highest religious authorities of Iran. And at that same time, while the Bab is making this momentous declaration in Tabriz, there's another pivotal event that is taking place in the northeastern countryside of Iran in a little hamlet called Badasht. And it's here in Badasht that a number of the leading followers of the Bab gather together to consolidate their understanding of the Bab's message. And this gathering becomes known as the Conference of Badasht. So this is now the beginning of the summer in 1848. So the Bab's message is merely now four years old, and yet in, in, in that short space of time, it has sent this, this social and spiritual earthquake through the entire nation of Iran. But it's all happened so fast that many of the followers of the Bab are still trying to actually understand what exactly is the Bab's message. And, uh, you know, he's in prison. His book, The Bayan, has not yet been diffused among his followers. And so understandably, there is widespread confusion among the followers of the Bab as to the nature of his message. So when we look at the Conference of Badasht, I think it's, it's important to remember that, that these individuals who, had, who initially embraced the message of the Bab were coming from a Muslim background and they were deeply devoted to Islam. Uh, I mean, many of these people were highly educated scholars of Islam, uh, people like Vahid and Hujat. I mean, these, these were people who were nationally revered figures who, who, who uh, you know, they probably had the, the equivalent of half a dozen PhDs in, in the study of their religion. The, the, these were people whose entire lives and careers revolved around the study and practice and teaching of Islam. All this to say that up until the Conference of Badasht, these people, having embraced the message of the Bab, they still considered themselves to be Muslims. But all that was to change at the conference of Badasht. So this, this conference was actually organized by Baha'u'llah, uh, who, even though he was not a, a letter of the living, he, was not, uh, he didn't have any special official rank among the followers of the Bab, he had demonstrated himself, to, he had been one of the, 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 the greatest champions of the Bab's message, and he had demonstrated this really outstanding capacity for wisdom and leadership among his fellow Babis. And so what he did was he, he rented three gardens in Badasht for this conference to take place. One was designated for Kudus, one for Tahare, and one for Baha'u'llah himself. And I believe that a total of 81 people attended the conference of Badasht, and it lasted for about three weeks. And the crucial realization that occurred at the conference of Badasht was that the Bab had not come to 
reform Islam. Nor had he come exclusively for Muslims, but that he had in fact come to open up an entirely new and distinct chapter in the spiritual evolution of the world. And that new chapter was to take the, the, the form of a new world religion. The Babis at Badasht came to understand that the same divine source, the same God that had sent Moses and Jesus and Muhammad and all of the other prophets of the past, each bringing a new faith and a new way of life suited to the needs of the time, that same God had now sent the Bab also with a new faith and a new way of life. And not only that, but the Bab was bringing an entirely new perspective on the very nature of religion itself. And in the footnotes of the Dawnbreakers, there is a, a reference made to a, a remark by Dr. T.K. Chain, the author of The Reconciliation of Races and Religions, uh, who, who commented on the the conference of Badash, he says, the object of the conference was to correct a widespread misunderstanding. There were many who thought that the new leader came in the most literal sense to fulfill Islamic law. They realized indeed that the object of Muhammad was to bring about a universal kingdom of righteousness and peace. But they thought this was to be effected by wading through streams of blood and with the help of the divine judgments. The Bab, on the other hand, was moving in the direction of moral suasion. His only weapon was the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so at the conference of Badasht, the Babis categorically release themselves from Islamic law and for these three weeks they gather in these gardens and each day they proclaim the abrogation of a law of the very religion that they had all grown up with. So this was an extremely bold, really very dangerous thing to be doing and there's one major incident that occurs at the Conference of Badasht, uh, an incident which, which really becomes a symbol of the radical implications of the Bab's message. And this incident centers around that great gifted poetess and scholar, Tahari, who had recognized the Bab by witnessing him reciting his verses in her dream. And she had become the only female Letter of the Living. So just to give you a bit of context about this incident, Tahare, as was the custom uh, in her time and, and uh, just like all of the, the women around her, Tahare had, had lived her life, her day-to-day -day life, with a veil covering her face. And this was a custom that was so deeply ingrained in her society that it was it was it was just completely unthinkable that a woman's face should ever be seen in public. Well, one day at the conference of Badasht, Baha'u'llah falls ill 
and he's resting in his garden and Caduce is seated beside him and all the Bobbies are gathered around him in the garden. And like a bolt of lightning striking the conference of Badasht, Tahare steps into Bahá'u'lláh's garden with her face unveiled. And this act is so profoundly scandalous to her fellow Bobbies that many of them, on beholding her face, feel their very faith is shaken to its core. In fact, one man is so, pro so utterly horrified by this defiance of, of, a, of a custom that has been established in their society for over a thousand years that he pulls out a knife and shrieking, he slits his own throat for the, for the sheer horror of beholding a woman unveiling her face in public. And I'd like to actually read for you Nabil's description of this incident as recorded in The Dawnbreakers. He says, Suddenly the figure of Tahare, adorned and unveiled, appeared before the eyes of the assembled companions. Consternation immediately seized the entire gathering. All stood aghast before this sudden and most unexpected apparition. To behold her face unveiled was to them inconceivable. Even to gaze at her shadow was a thing which they deemed improper. Quietly, silently, and with the utmost dignity, Tahare stepped forward. Her unruffled serenity sharply contrasted with the affrighted countenances of those who were gazing upon her face. Fear, anger and bewilderment stirred the depths of their souls. That sudden revelation seemed to have stunned their faculties. Abdul Khalik Esfahani was so gravely shaken that he cut his throat with his own hands. Covered with blood and shrieking with excitement, he fled away from the face of Tahari. A few, following his example, abandoned their companions and forsook their faith. A number were seen standing speechless before her, confounded with wonder. And so Tahari stands before her companions, dignified, serene, confident, and she says to them, This day is the day of festivity and universal rejoicing, the day on which the fetters of the past are burst asunder. I am the blast of the trumpet. I am the call of the bugle. And Nabil describes the effects of that day uh, on the followers of the Bab. He says, that memorable day and those which immediately followed it witnessed the most revolutionary changes in the life and habits of the assembled followers of the Bab. Their manner of worship underwent a sudden and fundamental transformation. So interestingly, it was, it was actually at the conference of Badasht that many of the Babis received the names by which we now know them. For example, it was at Badasht that Kadus 
uh, received the name Qudus. His, his original name was uh, Haji Muhammad Ali. Uh, also, Tahri received the name Tahri. She had been known up until then by several different names. Her birth name was Fatima, and she had also been given a very special name by Sayyid Qasim, the great teacher of the Shaki school, who, who had, he had had this, this tremendous fatherly love for Tahri, uh, even though they had never actually met, because uh, by the time that Tahri had arrived in Karbala to study at the school, Sayyid Qasim had already died. But they had, they had had this, this ongoing correspondence. And I get, the, I get the impression that their correspondence carried the, the sentiment of like platonic love letters because Sayyid Qasim gave her the name Quratul Ain, which means the solace of my eye. But what nobody at the conference knew was that these names were actually being secretly chosen and conferred upon them by Baha'u'llah. And not only was Baha'u'llah secretly giving them these names, but he was in fact steering the entire course of events as they unfolded at the conference of Badasht. And there's a mysterious allusion that the Bab makes shortly after the conference. Some of the Babis write to him, uh, complaining to him about what Tahari has done. They, they, they tell him that she has removed her veil and has therefore brought shame on them. And the Bab writes back to, th back to them. And not only does he defend Tahari, but he tells them to obey whatsoever she tells them. And then he makes this mysterious allusion to the person who gave her her name. He says to them, What am I to say regarding her whom the tongue of power and glory has named Tahare, the Pure One? And so with that allusion in mind, I am really delighted to release the next song from Gate of Heaven in celebration of the Festival of Rizvan. And the Festival of Rizvan begins, it, it begins each year at the moment of sunset on April 20th. And so for, for, for reasons that I'm sure many of you will understand, I'm going to release this song. It will be posted on my YouTube channel at the exact moment that the sun sets and, Riz, and the festival of Rizvan begins in Baghdad, Iraq. So look out for it tomorrow, Saturday, April 20th. I hope you enjoy the song and I wish you a very happy Rizvan. Bye for now. <laughs>